Come on, just tell him you love him. Tell him he's good. Just remind yourself of who he is right now. Lord, you are good. God, you are good. You are awesome. And we worship you and we rest in your goodness. Knowing tonight that we do not have to convince you to do good to us. Because you, oh Lord, are good. Tonight we are not afraid and tonight we are unashamed. Hallelujah. Come on, he is good. Can we give him praise tonight? We're up. Before you're seated, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for two things. First of all, uh, first of all, welcome to launch team meetings. And uh, here's what launch teams are. Basically, through through June, July, August, September, we we found out quickly that we could grow a crowd, and we saw upwards of 300 people coming to uh, preview services. And we realized at that point, okay, so we can do that. But what we really want to do is is grow a core of people. And um, I'm believing that by the time January comes, this group will be about 150 to 200 people. And then we can start January when we start our church from a place of strength and foundation. And amen. And we know who we are and we know what we believe. And so that's kind of what these nights are all about. Um, But let me just say that you have walked into a church that loves its city. We love Las Vegas. And I want you to see this scripture, if we could put it up, uh, Jeremiah 29. We're going to pray together uh, just, just before because we believe in this. It says, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you. You know, you're not here on accident. You know, I see Luke and I see your face. You, you were sent here. You didn't know it. Now you know it. Y'all been here seven months. You were sent here. It's easy for my wife and I to say, yeah, we, we've been sent to Vegas. We're pastoring. But y'all, we got to believe that the hand of God is leading us and guiding us. We're sent here. Um, pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. So we believe that we are to pray for the peace of our city, the prosperity of our city the blessing of our city. And God makes a promise that if you'll do that, not only will your city prosper, but you'll prosper. And um, amen. And so we want to pray tonight. So we're going we're gonna to pray for our city. And um, a city is not buildings and roads and stoplights and signs. A building, or excuse me, a city is 2.2 million souls that Jesus loves and that Jesus died for and that Jesus wants to save. Come on. And that we're called to serve. Amen. So we, we want to pray for Las Vegas. So let's just, if you could agree with me right now, we, Father, we just pray and we do seek the peace and prosperity of our city. We believe that we are here on purpose. We believe we're here for a purpose. And tonight, Lord, we do pray. Lord, we pray that you would bless our city. Lord, we pray that the greatest days of Las Vegas, Lord, that we believe and we know they are still in our future. They are not in our past. Lord, we believe that you have a plan for this city. That, Lord, this city will be known for more than just the strip and known for more than just what happens, Lord, at the clubs and more than just casinos. But, God, this is a city full of creativity. It is a city of promise. God, is it, a, it is a city of hope. It is a light in the desert. And you've called us here. 
Not to save it, but to serve it. And we just say thank you. Thank you that you called us to this city. We pray in the name of Jesus. Bless our city. And we thank you for the opportunity to be here at this time with this group of people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. So turn to Ezekiel 37. That's on the old side of your Bible, the left side of your Bible. And um, we are going to look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 10. I'm actually going to read it from the message. So it's going to be a little different than maybe what's in uh, your lap. And it's 740. I promise I'm going to get you out of here on time. And um, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm looking at my notes one more time, just making sure if I got to say anything else, babe, am I missing anything? I'll tell you, I love my wife. Oh, my goodness. Me too, someone said. Shan, you have, you know, Shannon is the senior pastor of our church. I just show up on Mondays and preach. She runs the church. And uh, I love you. You know, we believe in women in ministry here. So if that freaks you out, sorry. Um, but we believe anything, anything a man can do, a woman can do better. And all the married men said amen. And so, uh, so we absolutely believe in that. And, and Shannon really, I mean, we don't, we don't like titles. So we're just shaving and Shannon, but she really is a pastor, uh, in the body of Christ. And I honor you. You're the best mom too. And the best wife and the best kisser. What? Come on, Jabin. That's weird. Inappropriate. Ezekiel 37. I love, I love how the, how the text starts. God grabbed me. <laughs> If you, got, if you got the old King James, it says the hand of the Lord was upon me. But I like this better. God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain full of bones. And he led me around among them a lot of bones. There were, born, there were bones all over the plain, dry bones, bleached by the sun. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, master God. Only you know. Basically what he just said is, I have no idea. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God, the master, told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you will come to life. I'll attach sinews to you. Put meat on your bones. Cover you with skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. So I prophesied just as I've been commanded. I prophesied and there was a sound. And oh, a rustling. You know, church should be loud. I always say this and I don't mean to offend, you know, I offend some people. But man, I, I just think a quiet church is a dying church. I just think we ought to be wild and excited and happy about Jesus. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to a, a hockey game tomorrow night and I'm going to be wild and crazy. I don't know. I've never, I've never even watched a hockey game and I'm going to go crazy because it's just fun. How much more for Jesus who's done so much for us. I just believe that y'all can sing and shout and clap and run and well, whatever you feel like doing. I kept watching and sinews formed and the muscles on the bones and then skin stretched on them. And, but they had no breath in them. They had no breath in them. I don't want to be a church that, that looks the part. but doesn't have any breath in us. I'd hate for us to sing the right songs and talk the right talk and say amen at the right times and it looks really good and it sounds really good, but there's no breath. There's no Holy Spirit 
move where, where believers and unbelievers alike can come in and go, whoa, we're in the presence of something supernatural. There's, there is something real here and there's something beyond our five senses. It is, it is the Holy Spirit is God Almighty. And I, I want us to be a church that embraces the person of the Holy Spirit. I want us to be a church that I don't want us to be weird and I don't want us to be wacky, but boy, I don't want us to be so structured that we got the structure, but we don't have the breath. And so he said, there's no breath in them. And he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. God, the master says, come from the four winds. Come, O breath. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded. And the breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet. A huge army. I want to talk for just a few minutes tonight. Really honor your time and just for a few minutes preach from the subject. What to do in a valley. What to do in a valley. What to do in a valley. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. I pray you speak to every heart. And Lord, I'm just just believing for a spirit of joy and encouragement to come upon us. I I want City Light to be the happiest group of people in this city. In Jesus name. Everybody said amen. Uh, I love how the text starts. Because Ezekiel is in a valley. But what do you do in a valley? You recognize. That God is with you. That's point number one. Because we think that a valley proves that God is distant. But in reality. You must absolutely know and absolutely be secure in this, that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter if it's good or bad, God is with me. I will take God in a valley over a mountaintop without God. (laughs) My worst day with Jesus is better than my best day without Jesus. God grabbed me. I don't know if you've ever been grabbed by God. I know it's, I know it's, I know it's intense language, but I don't know if you've ever felt the hand of God come upon you. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been looking at circumstances and everything says God is not here, but there's something on you. There's something on the inside of you. There's something in your heart that says, but God is with me. I want us to be a people that knows that God is with them. And I, and I, and I want you to know tonight that the hand of the Lord is upon you. Don't be discouraged in your valley because you still have the advantage in your valley. You have God. And it's not that you're holding on to God. It's that God's holding on to you. He will never let you down. You will let him down all the time. Or I will, maybe. Y'all don't want to say amen, so I'll just say it myself. Don't let the valley discourage you. Don't let resistance discourage you. The fight does not prove that you're alone. The fight proves that you're called. If you never feel resistance, Dr. Bill Johnson says, it probably means you're going in the same direction as your enemy. (laughs) So if I'm feeling something, Maybe it means that I'm actually going in the right direction and the devil isn't happy about it. 
if I'm in a valley, maybe it means I'm going somewhere. If I'm, if I'm in a valley, maybe it means God is actually with me. If I'm in a valley, maybe it proves that the enemy is doing all he can to discourage me before I move into all God has for me. So the fight doesn't prove I'm alone. The fight proves I'm called. And the, the valley doesn't prove that I'm alone. The valley only proves that I need God. And if you're in a valley and God is with you, then that means that you are the appointed change agent for your valley. Oh, this is super good for me. Because because we're we're saying God get us out of it and God's saying, no, 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 there's actually a miracle in it. (laughs) There's actually a testimony in it. There's actually a breakthrough in it. There's actually a God story in it. So that the next time you get out of a valley, you can look at somebody in a valley and go, let me tell you how God got me through the valley. We can't have a bunch of perfect Christians. Oh, it's just a mountaintop. Praise God. Always on the top. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessing. Highly favored. Praise God. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. God never said deny the mountain. He said speak to the mountain. And we're not to deny the valley. We're supposed to embrace what God wants to do in the valley. And so Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley. And it doesn't mean that I park my car there. It doesn't mean that I build a house there. It doesn't mean that I'm even necessarily happy about it. But it does mean that if I'm in the valley, God is with me. It does mean that God is forming my destiny. And God is forming my testimony. The valley shows me. That I am called. And the valley shows me that God is doing something in me. So he can do something through me. And the valley just isn't about you because the valley is about the dry bones that are there. What do I do when I'm in a valley? Look and recognize that God is with you. It may not feel like it, but God is grabbing me right now. There are some things that... Only happen in the valley. I'm not talking about trials and tribute. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about sickness or disease. I'm not talking about anything that Jesus came to redeem us from. But I am talking about the valley of our soul. I'm talking about those moments in life where we thought, man, I thought things would be better by now. But you know, God is more concerned with you than with your stuff. And he's more concerned with you than just with where you're going. He's more concerned with your destiny than even your destination because your destiny has way more to do with what you are learning along the journey. The journey is way more important than the destination. And if you don't learn what you need to learn on the journey, you'll get to the destination and go, is this it? Is this what it is to be a millionaire? I thought I was going to be happier. Is this what it is to drive a BMW? I thought it was going to be. Is this what it is to be married to you? I thought you were going to make me happier. Because if I don't learn what I need to learn on the journey, I'll get to this, to this place on the mountain, but there ain't no fruit on the mountain. There's no trees on the mountain. There's no life on the top of the mountain. 
So if I don't learn what I need to learn, even when I get there, wherever there is, as Christians, we created there. And then we get there and we're still not happy. And if you don't believe me, just look at Hollywood and just look at the mega rich and just look at these people that have everything, but they, but they end up in, in, in drug rehab centers and they end up, why? Because, because they got everything that was promised to them. They didn't learn what they needed to learn in the valley. And friend, this valley called Las Vegas, it needs a church that's been grabbed by God. This, This valley doesn't need a perfect church. I don't even think it needs an excellent church. People have been, you know, pastors have been talking to me and they go, oh man, I just bet you need so much high production and you need so much, you know, of this and that because it's Vegas because you got to compete with Vegas. I'm going, I ain't going to try to compete with the strip. I'm not a billionaire. I'm going to give people what they can't get down there. So, you know, you know why we do, you know why we do this? Why we do this weird percussion and acoustic guitars? Because I'm just like going anti. Because God forbid you come to be entertained. You can go get way better entertainment down there. This valley needs reality. This valley needs God to grab them. And this valley needs to be able to walk into a church and they see broken people. People that are still in process and people that are still on a journey. And people are still figuring it out. But, but we have one testimony. God grabbed me. God grabbed me out of addiction and God grabbed me out of lust and God grabbed our marriage out of, out of literally about to fall apart and God grabbed my life out of the pit. God grabbed me. I pray that every person in this room could have that kind of testimony. God grabbed Ezekiel and then God showed Ezekiel the need and he goes, yo, so what do you think? Verse three, can these bones live? I don't think this is a negative question. I think this is a possibility question. Can your life get better? Can this city be turned around? Can you have campuses all over this city to reach all the different neighborhoods? Can you believe for greater? It's a, it's a, it's a question of possibility because hear me, our natural bent... Does anyone's car ever, the alignment's gone out and it just, right? You know that we all have a natural bent in our, in our natural sinful nature and our natural bent is towards negativity. So we look for the bad and we look for the negative and we look for, but God goes, Ezekiel, believe me for something. Can these bones live? Can something turn around? Can a miracle happen? But, but, our, but our tendency is for the negative. And uh, there was three preachers. Two of them were really good golfers. And one was just a brand new golfer. And so it was a par three. If you, if you don't know what that means, you, could, you, can, you can basically, from, from your tee box to the hole, you can do it in one shot. And so, um, and you've got three to make par. Par three. Okay, yeah. So that was really interesting. So the first preacher hits and... And it kind of bounces and they can see it. And the sun was coming down right in front of them. And so then the second, it kind of lost in the sun. And then, and then they saw it bounce and then it went. 
And then it was the, the preacher who doesn't play golf ever. So, you know, he just kind of swings, you know, it looks like a baseball player and he hits it. And it goes into the sun and then, and it disappears. He goes, ah, I lost another ball. But while that's happening, there's the crew in front of them, the golfers in front of them that are strangers, you know, a hole in front. They all start shouting. So they go, oh, man, they must have hit a good shot out there. I'm like, yeah, okay. So they get in their cart and they go to the hole. And they find the first ball of the good golfer. And they find the second ball of the good golfer. And then they can't find the third ball. He goes, man, I don't, it disappeared. I'm that bad. I just made a ball disappear. So the good golfer goes, all right, well, let me, let me putt in. So the guy goes and he goes to get the flag. And when he goes to lift it up, he goes, oh, look at that. Someone left a ball in here. And they go, oh, that's weird. So he grabs it and goes, ha, it's a Titleist three, just like mine. Isn't that so funny? And they're like, yeah, that's so weird. Puts it in his pocket. Can't even believe for what just happened. Then that crew in front of him comes driving back. Bro, congratulations. Oh, my God. And he's like, what? They're like, have you ever hit a hole in one before? Why aren't you more excited? This guy hit a hole in one. Had no clue. And never even assumed that it was a possibility. And friend, there's so many Christians that live that way. We can't even assume for good. We can't even assume for breakthrough. We can't even assume that God wants to help your marriage. That God would want to heal your body. That God would want to bless your finances. That God would want to do something great in it. Well, you know, in Vegas, you know how in Vegas. Stop it. Just stop. One guy told me, I bet him in May, he walked up and he goes, you can never grow a church in Summerlin. I'm like, thanks for your faith, bro. Pastor. A pastor. I don't want to live that way. I think, I, think God, I think God can grow churches wherever the heck he wants. In the southwest, in the northwest, all over, in Henderson, all over, Summerlin, all over. Downtown, shoot. Because I'm looking for the hole in one. I'm looking for the good. David said, I would have died. Psalm 27. I'm sorry, I'm getting preached. I got to calm down. David said, I would have died if I wouldn't have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, I, I believe for good. I want, I want our church to believe for good. God goes, can these bones live? Can a miracle happen? Can we reach a city? Can a relationship be restored? Can your body be healed? Can God give you a God idea for your business? I'm talking about hole-in-ones, y'all. And I'm not saying we live by hole-in-ones. I'm not saying every day is a hole-in-one. But I am saying we can live with a smile. We can live where we're not bending towards negativity, but we're bending towards positivity. I want to live that way. So last week, told y'all we prayed for a building anybody here last week we prayed for a building right we're still praying for a building and so i just i just had a lot of faith to pray for a building and so after service a guy walked up to me who doesn't go to our church and he goes god told me to come tonight and i go okay you know like what's about to happen you know and uh and he says the lord spoke to me he has a building for you so i went okay do you have the money you know but but he goes, well, it's on this street and this street. And when he said it, my spirit leapt because I go pray over that building every day. And I tell that building it belongs to me. You don't know it yet, but it, it's listening to me. He just don't, it's fighting me right now, but it, 
It's mine. So I go talk to it every day. I go, I go have a conversation with this building because I prophesied of bones. <laughs> I prophesied of death. I prophesied of things that don't have ears. I talk to, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm one of those crazy preachers. So I go have a conversation with this building on, on the regular. And when he said it, my spirit leapt and, and he goes, it's yours. I don't know how, but it's, and it's, it's so out of our budget. It's not even in our, it's not even in our galaxy. Like it's not even in our, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, ah, if we could just do an offering, you know, no, no, no. It's like, it's not even in our, you know, it's alien. Okay. It's out there. It's not even, you know, but my spirit left. So the next day I went into the kitchen, grabbed a big bottle of Greek olive oil from Whole Foods. And my wife said, you going to cook? I said, no, I'm going to go pray. So I went and drove over to the building. When I got there, the fence was open and it said, private property, do not enter. And I went, great, they've got my signs ready. Because I own that building. It just don't know it yet. The owner doesn't know it yet, but the owner doesn't own the building. I own the building. So I drove in like I own the place. I rolled down all the windows. I cranked the worship. And I get the olive oil and I just start going. Dum, 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 dum. And I drive around. And if you go to that property, you will see a stain of oil all the way around the property. And I was talking to it. And I had an attitude. I said, you're mine. You don't know it yet, Bones, but you're going to live. Can we afford it? No. Would it be a miracle? Yes. But, but I'm bending towards a hole in one. Well, we're just getting started, so we need to go rent 2,000 square feet and just praise God. Hopefully we can afford it. No, no I want to believe for more. And you know what? If I got to go do that, I'll go do that. I'll be so happy to do it because you're going to be with me and so I'm going to be happy. But I might as well believe for big. I might as well believe for the hole in one. Can these bones live? Can your life live? I want to I wanna live for the possibility. And I, some of y'all are looking at me like literally I'm cussing you out because you're so freaked out by what I'm saying. This is called faith. And you ain't going to hear this on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or MTV or any of the other ones. You're not going to hear it. This is called faith. This is called believing God for more. This is called I can't do it, but God can do it. So this is how I talk. And I know it's freaky. Some of you are like, it's like you're watching it. And I'm not a clown. (laughs) Can these bones live? I see the possibility. See the hand of God moving. I want to believe for the good. Hear me, friend. Never reduce God to the size of your biggest problem. Oh, my goodness. Never reduce God to the size of your biggest problem. So that, that diagnosis, it's big, but it's not bigger than God. Our needs are big, but they're not bigger than God. Your dream is big, but it's not bigger than God. Do not reduce God to the size of your biggest problem. And God says, can these bones live? Verse 3, Ezekiel responds, Lord, you know. (laughs) I love that Ezekiel wasn't like, absolutely, Lord, praise God, hallelujah. Yep. They sure can. I love that he was like. Ah. <laughs> I love that. Because that's faith. Faith. Uh, 
Pastor Stephen Furtick says that anytime God speaks to you, you're about 70% sure. <laughs> if you're real, you know that's true. People are like, did God tell you to go to Vegas? I'm like, ah! <laughs> I love the city. Jesus loves the city. A lot of people need Jesus. Sounds good to me. Why would God tell me not to go? Amen. So it's like, did God tell you and Shannon to come? I, yeah, I think. And I love it because that's faith. Did God tell you to start that business? I think. Did God tell you to take that step of faith? I, yeah. I'll tell you more in about six months. It's awesome. It's the adventure. I want to live with a little pit in my stomach. I got, we got this couple right here, Kyle and Jamie. They're moving from Boise, Idaho to Vegas with their daughter with no promise, no job, no money, no nothing. But they got a, they got a Lord you know. They got a, yeah! We got our days. <laughs> and I love it. Because I know what it's like to leave a job and you're sick about it, but you, but you, you know, kind of, that God's calling you. It's the best. I, I, I have this every Monday before we start because I always just go, Lord, is anybody going to come, Jesus? But then at this point, I'm like, yes, God spoke to us. Praise God, you know. But like Monday, 6 o'clock, it's like, Lord, you know. That's Okay. Doesn't mean you have a lack of faith. It means you're actually walking in faith. I, I see Omar who left. He left a secure job and he left. He left security and insurance and just easy to start his own business. Did God tell him to? I, yeah. It's like yeah with a question mark. Yes. <laughs> you got to turn your head a little bit. And it's awesome. Faith takes guts. And you'll usually never know the whole thing. It's just taking the next step. Isn't that what Dr. King told us? You take that step, not seeing the next. It's like Indiana Jones walking out. Y'all remember that movie? Am I too old? Okay, let's keep moving. Take the risk. You take the step. You try. Jonathan was going up against uh, 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 an army in the Old Testament. And, and they were about to go out to fight this army. And Jonathan, the, the, the son of Saul, said, perhaps the Lord will give us the victory. Sometimes you just got to perhaps. In another translation, it says, maybe the Lord will fight for us. Maybe. Y'all going to have a big church in Vegas? Perhaps. I love it. Because that's real faith. Maybe God's going to bless our business. I mean, I think. I see it in the Word. It's awesome. It's awesome. I just want to tell you, start the business. I don't know who I'm talking to. Forgive that person. Apply for that scholarship. Go after that building. Ask that person on a date. 
And if you get asked, say yes. <laughs> By faith. And demand a nice restaurant. Come on, believe for big things. Can these bones live? Yes. God says, I can do something with a yes, with a question mark. I don't even need an exclamation. I'll take a question mark. This is faith. And then he says this. Prophesy, verse 4. To, what do I do in a valley? Number one. Oh, I don't even remember my points, but we're on number three. <laughs> number three, prophesy to your situation. God said, verse 4, prophesy to the bones. Here's how Pastor Jensen taught me about prophecy. He said, prophecy is future talk. Just elbow your neighbor, make him uncomfortable. Tell him, prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. Okay. Proph- all prophecy is, is it's future talk. It's just talking about the future. Here's here's the literal in the Hebrew prophecy or prophesy means this. Speaking under divine inspiration in conversation. Or to predict the future. So we always think of prophecy as predicting the future. But really it's just, it's a divine inspiration in conversation. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone. And as you're talking to them, you're going. OMG, the Lord is here. And you feel a little weird, but you know God's moving. Or for me today, before I came here at about 5 o'clock, I went and parked out in front of that building. And under divine inspiration, I had a conversation. I did for real. I was like, ooh, 80,000 square feet. You are way too big for us. We're going to fill you up. Don't we going to do this thing? We have a big old youth room. We're going to have a big old children's room. Have a big old sanctuary, Jesus. It's got a parking garage. I started talking to the parking garage. I said, that's where I'm, I'm going to park in that spot right there. I started talking to it under divine inspiration. You're going, Jabin, you're crazy. I know. Prophecy is to speak under divine inspiration in conversation. Now, let me tell you the main way you prophesy. Because we won't have a lot. You know, I, I, think, I think the prophetic is actually abused in the body of Christ today. And the prophetic is not to tell you where you live or, you know, your name on your driver's license. I think a lot of that is hocus pocus. I'm just not into it. The true prophetic ministry, the prophet represents God to the people. That's prophetic ministry. So real prophetic ministry, then, if it is under divine inspiration, it is the declaration of God's word because God's word is inspired. So what's the main way we prophesy? We speak God's word to a situation. That's prophecy. So for, for, so legit, now I was joking, but literally today I went and looked at that building and I said, building, the heavens, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, Psalm 115. But the earth belongs to man and I'm a man. So you belong to me. That's what I said to it. And I said, Father, I thank you that the earth belongs to man. And then I went to another scripture, book of Joshua. And I said, Lord, I thank you that wherever my feet tread, you'll give me that land. Now, it's not false hope. It's not hocus pocus. And bottom line, I don't know what the Lord has for us. But a prophetic spirit declares the word of God to a situation. Hmm. That's what faith is. Lastly, so he, so he, he prophesies. It all comes together. But then it said this, verse 10 prophesy 
to the wind. What, what, what do you do in a valley number four? You got to get God involved. God forbid we get the structure and we get the stuff and we get the buildings and you get your dream and we don't have the wind. God forbid we don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm. I, I, I need the wind of God. You can, you can dry out water. You can quench a fire. But Jesus said, John 4, you cannot grasp the wind. We need the wind. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit. Because without the wind, we are just structure. Without the wind, we are just a social club. Without the wind, we're just a mediocre concert. And without the wind, City Light just becomes another thing to do on a Sunday morning. Without the wind, we look like we're alive, but we're dead. But with the wind, Rochelle, can you come up? With the wind, all things are possible. With the wind, miracles happen. Come on, with the wind, bodies can be healed. With the wind, hearts can be mended. With the wind, marriages can be restored. With when the, when the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to blow in a church, it begins to blow in your life. What you could not do, you can now do. And God said, think about this. Speak to the wind. And what is, what is prophecy? Divine under divine inspiration. So here's what God's saying. Talk to the wind. Hey, talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm at a fork in the road. I need your wisdom. Holy Spirit, I'm, we, you know, maybe for you, you're, you just found out you're pregnant and, you're, and y'all are going, Lord, we don't know how to raise this baby. Holy Spirit, help us. Talk to the wind. Holy Spirit, I've never been in this season of my life before. Talk to the wind. Maybe you just took on a new job or you just got a promotion. Holy Spirit. Maybe you're just getting married and you're saying, Holy Spirit, help me to be a spouse. Maybe you just got a divorce and you're saying, Holy Spirit, help me to be single. Talk to the wind. God said, speak to the wind. And the wind began to blow. I want us to be a church where the the person of the Holy Spirit is welcome. Not just on a Sunday. Not just on a Sunday. Not just on a Sunday. On a Monday. And on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday. And you start talking to the wind and you'll go to, you'll go to sign a contract and, and the wind will start talking back to you and go, I wouldn't do that. And go, huh? Oh, yeah. And you'll start talking to the wind and the wind will start talking back to you and go, I wouldn't date that. I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't. Today I was talking to the wind. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, move tonight. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for that awesome offering last night. That is so great. And he went, so what, you, what, so what are you going to do for Rise? And he started talking back. And I said, Lord, we're going to receive an offering for them. And he goes, yeah, that's right. Good job, buddy. So we talk. He calls me buddy. I don't know why. And, and you, start, you start inviting the Holy Spirit in your life, and the Holy Spirit will say, text that person. 
Just let them know you love them. Pray for that person. Encourage that person. Help that person. Give that person some money. Just, you start to have a relationship. And now we're not just structure. This is what 2 Timothy says. There's going to be, there's going to be churches that have a form of godliness, so we look the part. But they don't got no wind. And I don't care if you dress the part and I don't care if you look the part. I just want us to have the wind of the Holy Spirit in our church and in your life. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's applaud the Lord tonight. Hallelujah.